You've probably heard people say, you got to do what it takes. Well, do you know what it takes? Sometimes that's unclear. We're going to look at one particular issue in today's podcast. If you need to book yourself as a speaker, a musician, comedian, magician, hey, we're going to see exactly what does it take. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, you know I love the questions that come in day after day here. We've got some great ones today. You can better grab a pen and paper. Got some resources you're going to want to make note of as we go through these really poignant questions. Things like, yeah, how can I get booked as a magician? It's a follow-up to last week, a little note that I played from somebody. Got a follow-up to that that's really specific. And Dan, how can I keep the fire of my passion from going out while I'm wading through all the details of starting a business? Great question. Then how can I stay ministry focused in growing my coaching business, but also grow financially? How can I grow my business when I have no time for prospecting? Wow. Hey, those are great questions. Can't wait to dive in. We got some good news and more. Got a quotation to start us off. This comes from Thomas Edison. Think about this. Just think about this. He said, the successful person makes a habit of doing what the failing person doesn't like to do. All right, that's pretty simple. Now you're going to see some application as we start to unpack these questions. Again, the successful person makes a habit of doing what the failing person doesn't like to do. Thomas Edison. Now we got a resource for you today. This is new and it's if you go to 48days.com slash authors, you'll see some resources there. I've worked with authors for a very long time. I love the world of writing. We have a lot of people in the 48 Days Eagles community who are writing books. Some of the recent, golly, coordination, the work between members in there has just been astounding. Brand new book out, The Millennial Whisperer by Chris Tuff, uh, Nick Pavlidis, wrote that book as a ghostwriter, along with help from Anna Powers, Jennifer Harshman, and then uh, David Hancock, publisher and founder of Morgan James Publishing, published it. The book is out there rocking, getting Chris all kinds of new opportunities. Anyway, those are a lot of people that are involved in the 48 Days Eagles community. So I love the world of writing. But if you're interested in that, and we got lots of resources in there, but just go to 48days.com slash authors, and we'll start getting you some processes that'll help you. Eight different ways to look at what you can do if you have a book to write. So you identify what outside help do you need, if any. So again, just check that out. And we'll be glad to, to help you nurture your process along and bring a book to life. I love this week I had on Monday Mentors, Scott Beebe, who has a brand new book, Let Your Business Burn. I had the pleasure of writing a forward for that, but you know, we see new books coming out just every day in our 48 days community. And I love seeing that. It's a great way to, you know, it's, it's not the uh, financial golden ticket that often people wouldn't like, but it's certainly a way to gain credibility and start the process 
of benefiting financially. Well, let's look at some good news items here. Now, here's a 13-year-old boy who traded his Xbox and did yard work so he could buy his mom a car. Now, this is pretty cool. Not many 13-year-old boys can say they were able to buy a car, let alone a car for their mother. But that's exactly what William Preston did last week. William's mom, Crystal Preston, has been struggling to make ends meet since their family was forced to start over after, quote, an unfortunate situation. So since the single mom has been trying to provide for her three kids at their home in Friendly, Nevada, she's had no means of transportation up until now. Now, William... This 13-year-old boy was inspired to give his mom a car after he spent some time watching videos of people giving cars to their moms on YouTube. Uh, you know, you, you've heard me talk about last year at Social Media Marketing World, Giovanna Ellison gave her mom a car, and there were about 20 of us that were um, privileged to be part of that presentation. It was absolutely spectacular. Just a once-in-a-lifetime kind of experience. But So we've experienced that. Well, this 13-year-old kid was seeing people like that who were able to do that, and he thought, why can't I? So he saw a 1999 Geo Metro on sale on Facebook, and he reached out to the woman, asked if she would be willing to trade him the car for his Xbox, along with some cash that he'd earned from doing yard work. Well, at first, the woman was hesitant, but after some negotiating, she eventually accepted his offer, drove the car over to his house. Now, obviously, at 13, he's not old enough to go pick it up, but the lady who was selling it drove it over. They made the exchange, and then he walked his mom out and showed her the car. And obviously, she's overcome with emotions. There was news coverage that was picked up. What a neat thing to do. Now, here, here's the deal. You know, that it's not as outrageous as what you might think. I mean, if we're looking at a 1999 Geo Metro. I pulled up on Craigslist right here in Nashville. Geo Metro's 1999. And they range from about $600 to about $1,500. So they're not an expensive car. Can you get a good car still for $1,500? Yeah, you can. An Xbox, what's that worth? I don't know. They're two, three hundred bucks, I suppose. So he had the rest in cash. I don't know what the final price was, but you know, let's say it's a thousand dollars. I mean, what, what a, you can still do that. Believe me, I scan cars a lot, help people find deals on cars. There's still a lot of great deals out there. And certainly you don't need to rush down to the, the Kia dealership and finance a car for seven years because you don't have transportation. You can work something out, get something that'll keep you on the road while you start saving up to move up a little bit in car. Now, here's a study. This shouldn't be rocket science, but it's interesting how it's finding a place. They've discovered that taking 20 minutes of your day to stroll or sit in a place that makes you feel in contact with nature will significantly lower your stress hormone levels. Now, this is one of those things that, gee, they really need to do a study to show the results of getting out in nature and relaxing for a little bit. Well, this is a very sophisticated study and here's the interesting thing. Now, there's a lot of pills out there to help reduce stress. But you aren't going to see an ad on late night TV that encourages you to go outside and spend 20 minutes out in nature. No, they're going to be trying to sell you a pill that you get a prescription from your doctor for. Here's the side effects. May cause nausea and death. But, well, you know that, that that's a very financially profitable route. Doctors aren't going to tell you very often gee, get outside and spend 20 minutes. Well, I hope you recognize the benefits of that. I've talked often about the fact that, you know, I don't know how I could survive even in a work environment if I weren't about 20 paces away from grass and trees. 
before I do the podcast, as an example, I always go outside and walk for a little bit. I walk for a little while, take a deep breath. And then when I do the podcast, incidentally, just for whatever it's worth, I stand. I'm not sitting in a chair. I mean, our, our voice is different. Our energy is different when we stand. So I always am standing when I do the podcast. I also have a little bottle of spray that's called Entertainer Secret that I spray to lubricate my voice before. So, you know, those are just common sense kind of things to do. But wow, if you need to lower your stress, get outside for 20 minutes, that'll work. Now, here's another kind of nature piece I want to share. Dozens of countries have been working to plant green, great green wall, and it's holding back poverty. Now, there are more than 20 African countries that have joined together in an international mission to plant a massive wall of trees running completely across the continent. And after a little over a decade of work, it has reaped great success. Now you can check this out. The Great Green Wall of Africa stretches across roughly 6,000 miles of terrain. And it's about 15 miles wide, incidentally. But they're planting trees. Now what that does, you know, it holds back erosion, the shade increases the humidity so they can grow things. I mean, there's so many benefits and things had gotten really out of hand with just land stripping. And a lot of times people, you know, will cut down the last tree in the village, you know, just to have heat as they burn the wood. Well, that's kind of self-defeating, a short end to that, but people are getting on board. Other countries are supporting this, providing the materials, the raw materials. They've employed like 200 people in the countries to make this work. And when you think about Africa, incidentally, sometimes people you know, don't realize how big Africa is. And when they say Africa, you know, if you've ever been to Africa and, or, or somebody that says, well, gee, I've got a cousin who lives in Africa. You got to look him up when you're over there. Well, my goodness, that's like saying you're going to be in Nashville and I've got a cousin who lives in Los Angeles. Why don't you look him up while you're there? It could be that far away. And Africa, of course, is not a country. It's a continent comprised of over 50 countries. So, there's a lot of work that needs to be done to bring these countries together, but it's delightful to see them coming together, building this great green wall, which is going to have profound benefits. Now, it started back in 2007, so it's already been, what, 12 years. So this things that create continental generational change don't happen overnight. It takes a lot of time. And as most things in our lives, you know, if you're sick you know, I've been struggling with some health issues. Well, my doctor told me it took a long time and a lot of things to get you into the shape that you were. It's going to take some significant time to get you out of that. And I'm experiencing that, but I love seeing the little stages of a success and these projects that can change a country act in much the same way. Now I had a listener, Tom Hendrick Henriksen, who sent me a note that he knew I'd be interested in, and I certainly have a lot of familiarity in this area, but it was a note about people up in the Philadelphia, Lancaster, Pennsylvania area who are making a living hauling Amish. Now that's a term we use, H-U-L-L-H-A-U-L-I-N, usually leave the, it's like rockin' where you leave the G off the word, but this is Hall and Amish. Well, there are a lot of people who are making a decent living doing that. And I do have a lot of familiarity with that as my dad did that. My dad was a retired Mennonite pastor. And in his retirement years, over a period of probably 15 years, he made significant income, Hall and Amish. So they don't drive, but they need to go to the doctor, to weddings, to funerals, 
a lot of important events, and so they hire people to drive them. My dad, having Amish parents, very familiar in that culture. He loved relating to the people. And this was years and years ago, but at that time, he was getting a dollar a mile. Well, you think about if you drive 300 miles, sure, you get the cost of gas, but he had a big van, and gas wasn't that significant, just six-cylinder engine. And if he drove 400 miles in a day, which was not uncommon, it's $400. So, yeah, just a neat, neat kind of thing. And again, one of those things that falls in the opportunity list, sometimes something, an opportunity right owner knows that you would not think about. I love those ideas where people are doing things that others don't think about. You know, like the lady who carved the eagle in the tree right here on our property. Well, there's a lot of people who are good with wood, but have they marshaled their talent in a particular focused area like that so they get paid well for that? I mean, she was here for two days, uh, paid her $1,000. I mean, there are opportunities like that. If you have a unique skill, even if you even if you don't, it doesn't take a lot of unique skill to drive a van and haul Amish. So consider the ideas that may be right under your nose. Now, one of the things that we have seen as a phenomenon in our culture, this I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, maybe another time, but we get a lot of questions from people who, whose wives have gotten involved in maybe one of these multi-level marketing companies and have had astounding success. So what happens if your wife got involved in doTERRA or uh, what is it, living well? What are some of the other ones? Anyway, those ones that are popular to draw women in, what if all of a sudden a wife is bringing in $20,000 a month and the husband is used to making $40,000 a year? What does that do to the dynamics of that relationship? Well, Unfortunately, there've been a lot of negative effects of that. And be, and when anytime there's a need, here's my point. I'm not going to go down that path today. Anytime there's a need, somebody's going to step up to the plate and provide a solution. So there's a couple guys who are in that position and they've created an online community. It's called eatsleepadvance.com. So you can go there and check it out. These are for guys whose wives have become super successful in, for the most part, the essential oil business, eat, sleep, advance. You know, they have events, books, courses, audio coaching. You pay a monthly fee and you're part of that community. I think it's a great example. I mean, I, I like things where people simply saw a need and stepped in to provide a solution. Now, last week I played an audio question from Patrick who had lost his job you know, after I think it was like 23 years or something. And uh, he said he wanted to be positioned as a magician. And he talked about the fact that he had heard me talk about Lee Lentz. And that had to be years ago. My gosh. And, and thinking back about when Lee and Vanessa Lentz first got involved in professional magician work as they're doing today, I think it's probably been 12, 13 years ago, probably. I can look back and figure that out. Anyway, a great couple. They moved from doing magic for like birthday parties where they were getting a hundred bucks to do that to doing corporate product introductions at national conventions. And their standard fee is $15,000 a day. Well, I connected Patrick with them and got a really great overview from Vanessa and she copied me on it as she wrote back to Brian. So she says, Brian, nice to meet you now. So Patrick's question was, how can I get booked for those kind of gigs? 
Um, so Vanessa says, be a very good magician. So the first thing, be very good at what it is that you do by learning from other full-time professional magicians or skilled, successful. Secondly, she says, understand that you are a marketer first and a magician second. Now I want you to listen to that because that's going to be an ongoing theme as we talk about some other questions today as well. And it relates to so many other things that we talk about. You are a marketer first and a magician second. She described in her note that essentially 10% is show business. Well, a show and 90% is business. You've got to be good at the business side of what you do, not just the particular skill, be that as a speaker or musician or comedian or magician, whatever it is. Be really good at what you do. But she says, in order to, to make a living in magic, you need to, customers willing to pay for your service. So they studied marketing. They studied direct response marketing, uh, using the materials of Dan Kennedy and others like that. Do what it takes to book shows. Now listen to this. This is Vanessa Lentz, wife of Lee, who they do these professional magician shows. When we first started, Lee spent eight hours every day on the phone making cold calls. The first month he booked three shows. The next month we had 28 bookings. Wow. I love that. Now that's a consistent theme that we're hearing. He spent eight hours a day on the phone. The first month of doing that got three bookings. The next month, they had 28. I have so many stories from people that I hear who, that are like that. And Robert D. Smith, when he started booking engagements for Andy Andrews, Andy Andrews, you know, I've had him on here as a brand new book coming out. It's been a, a longtime friend, but uh, he's spoken now for four U.S. presidents. He gets international requests, just a very high level a speaker. When he first started out, he was doing comedy shows at colleges, 500 bucks for that. His fee today, I think is like $35,000 for a 45 minute presentation. Anyway, when he started out, you know, 500 bucks, Robert, his friend was booking him. Well, Robert didn't know anything about booking comedy shows. So he just started calling universities. Hey, my friend does this really cool show. It'd be entertaining. It's 500 bucks. And he discovered that if he made 30 calls, he was going to get one booking. 30 calls, one book. I mean, instead of seeing that as, oh my gosh, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to do that. He thought he hit the jackpot. He thought he discovered the golden goose. All he had to do was make 30 calls and every time he'd make at least one booking. And that's how he started. That's what he did. Chila Muskin is a young Christian musician, lives here in Nashville from Romania. And she does very, very well at singing in churches and getting love offerings and fees for speaking at women's conferences and all that. Well, there are people that look at her, you know, how are you so lucky? Gee, you came here from another country. You don't have all the connections. I do. How are you so lucky? Well, here's why she's so lucky. Now, she knows that pastors, sometimes their day off is on Friday. A lot of times it's on Monday. So she doesn't make calls 
on either of those days. On Friday, they're getting ready for their Sunday presentation. Monday, they may be recovering. But on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday mornings, she picks up the phone and calls. She says, hey, I sang over at the other Nazarene church two weeks ago. You know, I'd like to share with you what I do. Well, she just shares. She does her own booking. She doesn't have any kind of agency or outside service. She books herself, and she makes at least 30 calls every one of those mornings, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and keeps her schedule nicely full as a result of doing that. Well, it's, it's a formula. It's not magic. It's not luck. It's not being at the right place at the right time. It's doing the work. goes back to our quotation, Thomas Edison, successful people do what people who are failing are not willing to do. All right, let's go on. Got a question from John. With a desire to start a business, I've been on 48 days email list for a long time. However, now that I have a drive for something specific, my fire has been rekindled. I've reached out to the small business office that is hosted by MTSU, that's Middle Tennessee State University here, and even attended a starting a business workshop. But the process has felt slow. I've reached out to the local business owners for wisdom in areas that I know I will need to address at some time, like taxes, employees, website domains, and so on. They've been good sources of information. What I don't want to happen is for the fire to go out while I'm waiting to actually start the business. How much analysis is too much? Paralysis by analysis is something I want to avoid. Perhaps I'm just typing this email as a way to vent and collect my thoughts for a positive course of action. Thanks for listening, John. Well, John, thanks for your question. It's a very legitimate question. And I've seen this process unfold hundreds of times where somebody got an idea and then they run down to the small business development center and they come out with a two inch stack of forms and things that need to be completed to start a business. Don't do that. It's not that complicated. I don't care what it is and I don't know what it is your business is, but let's say that you want to start a landscaping business. Wow. Get out here and talk to 10 people who would be prospects this morning. Get somebody who says, yes, I want you to do this. You're in business. You don't need to do anything. Just start in business. As soon as you get in, I mean, there's nothing legal that you have to do before you start generating business and income. Now, when you do, yes, you want to keep good financial records. So you record that as income. And at the end of the year, when you do your taxes, you record that it can just be miscellaneous income. Even if it's $30,000, $40,000, you can just do it like that if you want to. Now, if you want to ramp up a little bit and be a little bit more professional, which I would encourage you to do, there are two things, two things only that I would encourage you to do. Get a business license. Usually that comes through the county clerk's office in your county, wherever you live. So if you're here, you must be here locally if you're talking about MTSU. So if you're in Williamson County, you go down to the clerk's office, it's the old hospital building here, and you pay 20 bucks and you get a business license. So you've got that. Then go to a bank. With a business license, they'll let you open a business checking account. I like to do those two things. I think it positions you mentally. Your mindset is different if you have a business license and a business account. If you don't, it can tend to just be treated as a hobby and eh, kind of case hurrah, hurrah. No, you want to really be clear. You're in business. This is the name and you have a business account that people can write checks to or put in PayPal into that business account. That's all you need to do. Now, when you talk about, gee, if you might, you know, attend to taxes and employees and all that, well, if you're going to hire people 
At that point, you need an EIN, an employee identification number. But until you are ready to hire people, you don't need to do that. So you can stair-step this. You don't need to form a corporation. You can just be a sole proprietorship. Nothing wrong with that at all. You can just do it like that. And as you get bigger, generate more income. If you want to then become an S-corp, you know, or, which would be probably the most likely thing on an LLC, you can do that. You can do that a year from now after you're generating $80,000 a year. But just keep it simple. Don't lose your passion for your business by being overwhelmed with the complexity of business because it doesn't have to be that way. Get it? You can let me know if you want to specifically what business it is. And if there are others of you listening who have a particular business that you want me to address, I'd be happy to do that. But, you know, we deal a lot with coaches as an example. Again, same kind of things. You can start coaching if you have somebody at church that said, gee, I'd love to get together with you for you to really help me through this kind of transition period. I'm not clear on where I'm going. Well, I'd love to. You know, that's the kind of thing that I do. Here are three options for how I work with people, which of these would work best for you. And you meet at Starbucks for an hour and they pay you. Do that. I mean, you're in business. You're in business. Now, the, the, the other side of that is oftentimes people get caught up into complexity and they spend six months getting ready with all the things. And you know what? They don't have a business. You don't have a business until somebody paid you for something. So you have money to put in the bank. Until then, you've got a hobby and just an idea. But if you want to be in business, get somebody today that'll pay you for your unique area of expertise. All right, Dan, I was encouraged to read 48 Days. I've implemented your encouragement toward shifting my very small and very new private clinical therapy practice to a coaching practice. I'm completing my BCC exam credential this week. I have a brand, a logo, philosophy method all ready to go for a rebranded website launched this fall. I've been doing a lot of work in my current practice with professionals, physicians, lawyers, attorneys, or lawyers, nurses around burnout, particularly enjoy working with others who share my biblical worldview. I also do therapy retreat intensive for those in full-time ministry at a retreat site here in East Tennessee. My question is related to balancing ministry and business. Would you be willing to briefly speak to number number one, a stewardship based marketing business plan that reflects my training experience expertise and allows us to grow modestly in our financial situation, but also accommodating those who do not have many resources. All right. Uh, In my current practice, I offer two reduced fee appointments up to eight sessions. I could apply the same strategy. Related to the above, how to price coaching packages. I'm a licensed psychologist, BCC soon, I hope. Certified nutritional psychology. I've lived and worked internationally. I'm currently working at a medical center and so on and so forth with lots of credentials. Here, Natalie continues. But she's unsure as to how to blend her heart for ministry with wanting to grow financially. Now, this is an area where we have a lot of interaction with coaches, counselors who are wanting to grow in this area that we talk about so much in coaching. Now, here's one of the things I want to respond to, Natalie, and I love your heart for what you're doing. And I think you're right on track. You can grow this as quickly as you want to. This is not something that needs to take a very, very long time to grow very, very slowly. If you position yourself clearly, you can ramp this up significantly from what it is you describe you're doing now in a, in 30 days. I mean, you could double and triple what you're doing in 30 days if you decide you really want to do this. So when you talk about 
you hope that soon you'll have the BCC. Now, here's, here's an interesting point. I've been working as a coach for 30 years. I, in that period of time, have been exposed to a whole lot of credentialing out there for coaches. Whole lot of credentialing. We've identified over 30 organizations that offer credentials for coaching. I have some of those certifications. You never see them mentioned on my site. I never have clients ask me about that. And having been in coaching for 30 years, I was not clear on what BCC is. I had to go look it up. It's Board Certified Coach. BCC, Board Certified Coach. You take an exam to show your competency in fundamental coaching skills, assessments and coaching, coaching approaches for individuals, for businesses. and so You take a test, and if you pass it, you're credentialed BCC. My point is, I'm in this industry. I'm in this profession, and I didn't know what it was. How important do you think it's going to be to a prospect on the street who has no knowledge of coaching anyway? Zero. It doesn't matter. Now, that being said, if you're close to getting certified and it's something that has helped you grow as a coach, then fantastic. But you certainly don't need to wait on that in order to position yourself as a coach and just go on. Now, the other side of that, how can you grow financially when you have a heart for ministry? Well, do both. Don't get locked into either one. If you do nothing but ministry coaching, you're going to stay poor. If you start seeing clients who have the ability to pay you what you're worth, it doesn't mean that you can't continue to do ministry. Well, let's say that you decide that you're going to tithe your time. So you're going to devote two hours a week to ministry where there's no fee at all. I mean, I do at least that. I mean, have for years and years, you know, at least that. I don't begrudge that, but I don't do that all the time. If I did that all the time, if I responded to nothing but all those requests for that, you know, then I would be depriving my wife and family from living a life that's reasonable for us. So I don't do that. You can do the same thing. Just have a healthy balance there. Now, the last two weeks in the 40 Days Eagles community, our Monday mentors have been Giovanna Ellison and Scott Beebe. I had them on because they're both extremely successful coaches. Now I'm talking now, you know, Scott mentioned that he came to our coaching with excellence event, which is an event we don't do any longer. We've rolled that into our coaching mastery program incidentally, but he came when we were doing a, a coaching event back in 2014 he had always been involved in parachurch or nonprofit organizations and thought that his attraction to the ministry community would mean that he would always be poor. And he came and we talked through this healthy kind of uh, growth into understanding how you can thrive financially and still have a heart for ministry. And I have always told people, you know, we want them to get a 10x return. So if you invested $1,000 to come to that event, which it was, we expect you to generate $10,000 pretty quickly as a reasonable return. Well, we got a testimonial back from him in the first 12 months. He got 100 times return. So generated well in excess of $100,000 the very first year after having come here. And he's he is thriving as a coach. Javon Ellison, same kind of thing. 
Her background is in ministry. Her wife is a pastor. Her husband, rather, is a pastor. So as a wife of a pastor, you know, she's expected to be available for as a shoulder to cry. And obviously, she hasn't walked away from that. She still does Bible studies and all that. But she has exploded in the coaching arena as a very, very highly successful, highly compensated coach. Don't assume the people you want to help can't pay. That's where I want you to hear me most. I have a lot of pastors who come to me. I just helped a gentleman who at 59 years old, been in pastoring for years and years, wanted to transition out of that into marketplace ministry. We were able to do that very successfully. But in having lots and lots of pastors who have come to see me for my intentional life coaching package, I have never given a discount to one. I don't say that harshly at all, but I don't have them expected or ask for it. They want the very best that I have to offer. They've probably talked to colleagues of theirs who have been through the process with me. And so they're more than willing to pay that. I I don't assume that, well, they're in ministry, so I need to give them a discount. Just don't assume that about the people that you want to help. Hold your head high. Price your services based on what you're worth, and you'll have people who line up. Well, hey, just a reminder there, these are real-life questions, obviously, coming from people just like you and me out here in the trenches, doing the work, having fun, interacting with real life that brings us difficult questions. Obviously, if you got a question, just shoot it in to me at askdan at 48days.com. Now, Nicole asked, Dan, what's your advice on the logistics of running a business? What if I'm busy with current projects and feel I have no time for prospecting for new business? How do I best manage this so my schedule has a good flow of business instead of peaks and valleys? This is the quintessential entrepreneurial challenge. Darren Hardy he wrote a book, The Entrepreneurial Roller Coaster, because this is typically what happens. As an entrepreneur, we get people who want our services, we line up projects, and we focus totally on those projects. When the projects are completed, we're dead in the water. No business in the pipeline at all. That's why when I talk about the 15 hours a week, or no matter how many hours you're spending, if you're spending full-time, the number is different. But if you're spending 15 hours a week, one of the things that I absolutely insist on is that you're spending three hours of that 15 marketing your efforts to build your brand and reputation. So that's 20% of your time. So no matter how much time you're spending on your side business, my encouragement is that you're spending at least 20% of your time marketing. Don't leave that behind. Don't think that you can ignore that and somehow your business is going to be self-sustaining. Keep marketing. Keep spending 20% of your time on marketing. It's just a healthy kind of balance. And if you don't do that, you're likely to have these ups and downs. Well, Steve wants to know, once I've decided that I want to leave my job, how do I stay motivated and do good work when I've already got one foot out the door? I love that question. And, and I have a really clear answer for that. And that is 
what you're describing is you're a lame duck employee. Um, you've already made the decision. You're going to be moving on, but you're still putting in your time and getting a paycheck. It's kind of like we, we talk about, you know, lame duck president. Now, that means between the time in November when we've elected a new president, but we don't have inauguration day to bring the new guy in until the middle of January. So in that period of time, roughly two months, it's a lame duck president. I mean, nothing the, the guy does is going to really make a whole lot of difference. He's just kind of filling the office. If you know that's true for you, you're moving on. There ought to be a clear timeline. This should not be an ongoing indefinite period of time. So if you have made the decision you're going to leave your job, and if you are already building a side business, and if we know, like I also often encourage, that you're already generating 50% of your normal salary in your side business, wow, I'd give yourself maybe 30 days and you're out. If you've gotten that far, 50% of your income, then give yourself 30 days. You know that if you devote the remainder of your time, all that time you're now devoting to your job, to the work that you're doing on your own, you can close that gap very quickly. So put a timeline on it. I would never want you to be fully clear that you're going to leave your job and then, and, and you say, okay, this is April, 2019. So I'm going to leave my job April, 2020. That's way too long to have that mentality. Plus, I don't want there to be that much time where you devote in full time to a job and trying to have enough reasonable time to build your side business. That ought to be a shorter period of time. So I always am looking for 90 to 180 days for that to be that total time period where you're starting something new and when you're totally on your own, or unless you decide to just keep it as a little hobby, that's okay. I mean, there are people who are what um, we, we've talked about the book on here, the 10% entrepreneur. So if you decide you want to just do it as a little side gig and generate a couple thousand dollars on the side a month, I mean, that's fine. But then frame it as such and don't begrudge the real job that you have that's providing your core income. Now, along with that, as long as you are being there and being given a paycheck, then I expect you to be giving them absolutely excellent work and give them everything they expect. So don't be, you know, sloughing off at three o'clock in the afternoon and from then till five, you know, surfing the internet or doing things that are building your business. Don't do that. Don't be stealing from the company during that period of time. Be totally clear. Be totally honest about what you're doing, but identify a timeline so you can maintain your passion about what you're doing in your job and your growing business. All right, let me uh, let me look at a couple more here. Steven says, now this is interesting. Dan, help, I'm discouraged. Steven says, about a decade ago, I started organizing a box full of all my joke and riddle ideas written on literally thousands of scraps of paper along with my lifelong development of personal stories, cartoon ideas, quips and quotes, etc. Basically, my whole life's work. I decided to compile them all and put them in a book. It has a lot of Christian content. I'm finishing it up now, but I just heard this week that Lifeway is closing all 170 of their brick and mortar stores. Being a joke book, it's not something that works well online. There are riddles to work out in the book, etc. I wanted to use the book as an ad to feed back to a website with my ideas on t-shirts, caps, mugs, etc. Now what am I to do? 
Has my decade of work gone to waste? All right, let, let's frame this. Stephen, thanks for the question, for your openness about that. I think you're in a great position to move forward with confidence and profitability. I don't think this is the end of the road at all. For one thing, if you, wow, if you have a product, if you have a book like that, that is dependent on being in store, in a physical store, and only in Christian stores, you've just identified a very, very tiny, tiny market. I mean, it's probably not even worth developing as a book. If it has to be in a physical bookstore and in one that is Christian. I mean, if, if that's how tiny your niche is, I, I wouldn't encourage you to invest the energy to bring this to life. But I don't think that's true at all. I, no matter what it is you're describing here, I think there are tons of things you can do to get creative and explore ways to sell it online. I mean, think about the things that are being sold online. I mean, give people examples to draw them in. Are there jokes that are related to work? I mean, look at what Scott Adams did with Dilbert, his cartoons. Well, then his cartoons that would not lend themselves to just being in a book. But then they opened the door for books where he wrote about his own philosophy, his own kind of life journey behind the work that he did in creating the cartoons that are now Dilbert. I mean, another thing, I've got a little book. I mean, we've got some in our bathrooms around here. One of them is titled, What's That Funny Look on Your Faith? Now, I don't have a lisp. I meant to say faith. Now, you can imagine what that is. I mean, check it out. Just, just go on. Check it out on Amazon. What's that funny look, funny look on your faith? From Collier Black. He's done a whole series of those. We absolutely love those. They're little books that kind of make fun of rigid, traditional religious beliefs. Now, it doesn't trash Christianity or anything. I mean, Christians love these because it, it's that kind of thing where it just pokes fun at some of the things, or it's a play on words. <laughs> like like Moses, or, um, Noah bringing you know, two of every animal in the ark. There's some that relate to that. But, but check it out. There are so many examples of being able to do what it is you describe you want to do. Don't just walk away because, yeah, on Lifeway's closing all 170 of their brick and mortar stores. Incidentally, I was just over at Dave Ramsey's organization, dropped an order of books off there. They buy lots of my books and sell them through their organization. I love that relationship. have had for years and years. And talking to Tom Carlin in the shipping department, uh, he talked about the diminishing number of physical books that they're selling. Does that mean that their revenues are going down? No. It means more and more people are going to digital products. I mean, we at 48 Days, I mean, I could get the current numbers, but we're at about 65%. The digital delivery of products. Wow, is that, how cool is that? I walk in and we have, you know, 35 orders and only two need to be pulled from shelves and shipped. The rest have already been delivered. I mean, that's totally cool. Now, Lifeway, I mean, don't be too concerned about them because they recognize the changes. Their online sales are exploding. They're massive in that space. 
they still have a really rig, big presence in the Christian community and are the primary supplier of materials in that genre. So they're still looking for great products that they can present to their audiences. So if you have something that was even remotely a candidate for one of their physical bookstores, it's probably still a candidate for what it is that they do now. Hey, move forward with that. Bring that thing to life. Make it happen. And uh, let me know. Let me know when it's when it when it is up and running. I'd love to see it. Comment on it. And we'll help you promote it in the 40 Days community. All right. Let's just do a wrap-up. Rather than unpacking here, got, got pages and pages of questions, but I'm going to do a, a wrap right there. So here's, here's some takeaways. I want you to have some clear takeaways here and just uh, some call to actions that you can, things that you can do that will address these issues, some of the issues we covered today, but address them in your own life in ways that can move you forward. If you have a wife whose success has skyrocketed and surpassed your own, check out eatsleepadvance.com. I don't have any connection with those guys. That's not an affiliate link or anything. Just just go there and check it out. I just think it's a cool recognition of a need and meeting that need. Number two, if you need to book yourself as a speaker, musician, comedian, magician, make 30 calls and then see what happens. Don't complain about the economy. Don't complain about you don't have the right connection. Just pick up the phone and make 30 calls. Scott Beebe in our session in the Eagles community on Monday said he lost his job working with a nonprofit, lost his job on Friday. On Monday, he called two of his friends. Both of them booked him to pay him as a consultant in their organizations. Friday to Monday, he was unemployed over the weekend. And by Monday, he had clients that were willing to pay him to move forward. Number three, if you're starting a business, keep it simple. Don't become discouraged with the complexity. It doesn't have to be that way at all. And number four, don't assume your target audience can't pay what you're worth. Just don't assume that. Hold your head high. Know what your value is. You'll be surprised. I mean, in any given audience, just don't make those broad generalizations. Well, if people are in my church, they can't pay. If people are in ministry, they can't pay. If people are school teachers, they can't pay. If people are starting attorneys, they can't. Don't make those assumptions. Just hold your head high. All you need is a tiny, tiny percentage. I mean, you could have, you know, one-tenth of one percent of the people in that category who respond, and it can book your schedule, book your services, whatever it is that you're doing. You don't need everybody. You don't want everybody. All you want are just a few people who meet the criteria, match up what it is that you're doing. Well, and then also we got our resource for you today. Don't forget that resource I mentioned. That being 48days.com slash authors. If you're looking for information that'll help you move forward in your own writing project, I've, I've got, oh, I've got several ideas in the cooker right now. I've got one I'm so excited about. Had some, had a kind of an insight last night about that particular project that I'm really eager to implement and bring to life some writing that I've been doing for a couple years that I've never done anything with outside of my own personal mastermind. But I'm eager to give that a broader voice at this point and looking for a creative way to present that. And I think I just found it. 
And I love the opportunities there. But if you're looking for ideas, we'd be glad to help you with ideas. Again, 48days.com slash authors. Well, I trust this is an exciting time of year for you. Again, spring reminding us that there's new growth, new opportunities all around us. You know you can do this. You know you can design your life in advance. And we know that you are part of this growing community where we either find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Thanks for being part of this listening audience. I love this time together with you each week. Let me know your questions. Shoot them in. Ask Dan at 48days.com.